Today on Refried Reviews, musicians and actors are not the same thing. Welcome back, everybody, to Refried Reviews. I'm John. I'm JP. And um, yeah, so based on the mall chase in Crank <laughs> last episode, uh, I decided that we needed to watch uh, the mall chase to end all mall chases <laughs> in Blues Brothers. It was um, closer than I imagined it would be. Um, what? The, to the Crank one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like Crank is clearly inspired by the Blues Brothers mall chase. Like you can't drive a car through a mall and not be doing Blues Brothers. <laughs> like these are the guys that originated it and they, in my opinion, did it best. Um, yeah. Oh, I wonder if Dark Knight has any matching shots. He does, does race Dark... through a shopping center does on the he? Batmobile. He goes through a shopping center in the Batmobile? I think so. Oh, shit. Yeah, he kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> huh. I wonder. Maybe, you know, at, at least uh, Dark, at least Batman drives by a Pier 1 Imports <laughs> um, or crashes some drums. <laughs> I feel like they were shattering through a glass window because yeah. every movie since Blade Runner has to do that. Absolutely. Um yeah, and this actually, this, I think this was a year before Blade Runner. This was, uh, really? I believe, wow. 1980 or 1981. Hmm. Um, John Landis made it. Um, yeah, coming off of Animal House, um, which I guess is where he first hooked up with uh, with Belushi. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's it's a Saturday Night Live movie, and I think inarguably the best Saturday Night Live movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you could make an argument for Wayne's World because Wayne's World is really good. <laughs> um, it but, probably feels more dated in an embarrassing way. What, than, Wayne's World? Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like if I watched Wayne's World just from growing up in the 90s, like there would be a lot of weird pangs yeah. of like, that sounds awkward, or I didn't want to think about this again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why were we all, all tying flannels around our waist? <laughs> Why was that a thing for a little Heavy bit? Heavy fabric to haul everywhere. <laughs> we had very strong hips. <laughs> all of us, like as a people. <laughs> Yeah, no, this doesn't feel dated because it's too fucking weird to feel dated. It really is. This is a bizarre movie. Um, <laughs> so yeah, what, what 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 was your first encounter with it? Uh, when did you first see Blues Brothers? So I probably haven't seen this since I was like a single digit age. Wow. Like it, it feels like one of those things that you know my dad told me he loved it and we were watching it on TNT or something like yeah. that. Um, it's like Star Wars. It's just around. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You'll pick up on it eventually. Yeah. So I haven't seen it in many years. But I mean, I remembered sort of the the characters and the theme of the movie and the car chase. Yeah. But a, a whole lot of specifics were nowhere you in my mind. forgot S at the end of chase there. <laughs> um, Fair. The car chase is. Yes. Um, I think there's, what, like th- four? <laughs> It's the connective tissue between everything else. <laughs> Car chases and soul songs. Oh, yeah. So yeah, you you don't remember ever like sitting down and like taking it in. No, so this I don't is the think first so. like proper watch you've ever given this movie. Then probably yeah. Wow. And I did the extended. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did too. I I don't know what's different about the extended versus the theatrical. Um, I um, I read there are a couple extra. Um, Musical sequences, which I imagine that tax on your runtime real fast. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, probably that. And I think I feel like there was something. I, I watched it on Amazon Instant Video, and like the um, the video kept like the video quality got 
it, it, it was doing something weird. It wasn't changing quality the way streaming quality usually does, where mm-hmm. you know it goes down in, in terms of pixel count or whatever. It was going from like a really nice looking 35 millimeter print to like the contrast just going way through the roof, and like all the whites were really blown out for some huh. shots, and then turning back. Maybe it was just my TV being weird or something, but that think, happened to me. I think they've discovered real footage since, but I know Evil Dead for years, like every DVD copy would have an improved version of like totally remastered with spliced in vhs from bruce campbell that like we did the best we could but it's the only existing yeah, like the ultimate ending always looks really shitty yeah, yeah like yeah. the one where he goes into the future uh-huh. um in army of darkness yeah, like yeah. that always just looks like a shitty vhs because there's just nothing better of that around yeah so um, it may have just been that yeah maybe i don't know but it happened like a fucking lot like mm. probably for a total of 15 minutes of the movie huh yeah I don't know. Anyway, um, but yeah, I it was always around for me, this movie. I think I finally sat down and watched it. Okay, so I'm going to start at the beginning. <laughs> um, before I was a professional dork, um, <laughs> I was a musician. I had a band in my 20s that never really did anything, and that was what I wanted to do. Um I went like from like the age of I think 12 or 13 was when I first picked up a guitar. Um, and I specifically wanted to be a blues musician. For some reason, me and like four of my friends in middle school were like, blues is the coolest. <laughs> like, that is what we want to do. Like, everybody else was listening to, uh, you know, fucking Green Day and shit. Mm-hmm. And like, me and my friends were jamming out to Buddy Guy and Stevie Ray Vaughan records. Uh, we were <laughs> you fucking... let Louisiana take hold yeah. earlier than most. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, it was that. And like, I don't know. There was, it was also wrapped up in like, that was what our parents were feeding us or like the cool kids' parents were feeding them because. Mm-hmm. Like this, something I really want to talk about in the context of this movie is like sort of upper middle class white male baby boomer appropriation of the blues. Okay. Um, like totally a thing. Like you yeah, can yeah. find a lot of doctors and shit who like love Eric Clapton records and specifically those slow blues tunes of his. And you know, nothing, not to take anything away from Eric Clapton. He's a very, very good guitar player um, and a very good blues guitar player. You know, it's not his fault that like it's like. A lot of those acts of appropriation lose the socioeconomic context of blues. Mm-hmm. And that is the main difference, I think, between this movie and Blues Brothers 2000. Because this movie feels like it is in the hood. Uh-huh. You know, in a, in a way, I totally believe. Like when they're driving down the street to find Aretha Franklin's diner and like John Lee Hooker's just jamming out in the street, <laughs> um, I think that's that's actually part of the extended cut is like that's way longer. And you just get a lot more John Lee Hooker, mm-hmm. which is great because it's fucking John Lee Hooker playing boom, boom in the street. And like you should watch that forever. Were they quite as downtrodden in Blues Brothers 2000? I no. Mean, they start out with no money or it's anything. It's just all kind of so. like whitewashed. Huh. Um, like it doesn't feel authentic. Like it feels like the. It feels like the sanitized upper middle class baby boomer white guy version of this instead uh-huh. of like these two guys who, you know, were probably in like their late 20s and they were just like a couple hipsters who really liked Chicago blues because they had both uh, or at least Ackroyd had been in Second City. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Belushi had, but Ackroyd had been in Second City and like lived in Chicago doing that for the longest time. And that's how he got into blues, I think. Well, I also um, imagine even just the youth of SNL, like it was yeah. much more of an experimental crazy thing. Yeah. Whereas by the time Blues Brothers 2000 comes out, it's like the oldest comedy institution that everyone knows. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's that was just Ackroyd. That that movie was also written by Ackroyd and Landis, too. Like It's not like the, the franchise got taken over by some people who decided to resurrect it. Like Ackroyd and Landis wrote... Uh, 
uh, this and Aykroyd and Landis wrote uh, 2000 and huh. Landis directed it. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have any reason to be as shitty as it is. <laughs> um, and it's fucking shitty. I don't think I've ever seen it, but I've never heard a kind word about it. It's oh, it's just so fucking it's oh, it's gross. Um, like it's it's like if a hard rock cafe could fucking make a movie. Like, it's, <laughs> ugh um nasty uh yeah but like that was what i wanted to do was i wanted to be a blues musician and like i you know kind of followed the trail back to you know the roots and kind of where i landed was my favorite blues music is tends to be like 50s and 60s chicago blues like buddy guy is my favorite guitar player um he's fucking really really good um so like this movie this movie is actually more about soul than blues, which is interesting to me. Like most of the music they listen to in this is not blues music; it's soul music, and it's mm-hmm. still fucking really, really good. But all that stuff meant a lot to me. And uh, it's cons- probably easier to play soul on the run. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, blues is you know a pretty laid back art form. Yeah, um, you know, you're not going to feel the sense of urgency you need to flee, you know, police cars. Um, <laughs> Uh, unless you have a fucking kicking horn section behind you. And by the way, this horn section, none of them can act worth a damn. Uh, well, that's not true, actually. The trumpet player, uh, Bones uh, Bones Malone. No, not Bones. Is it Bones Malone? The, the, the guy who's a mater d'? Um, that sounds right. Yeah, I think, it's, I think his name's Bones Malone. Um, he is a really good actor. Like, everything he does in that restaurant scene is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for considering all that shit, like, I never really got into this movie until college, and then I watched it and was like, this is fucking amazing comedy. This is this music that I really, really love. Um, and it's so fucking inventive and weird, but I didn't really like, consider it. And, like, this time around, I really tried to, like, think about, you know, what makes the comedy work and sort of the, the thesis I have for it. And I warned you before we started recording that I had a lot to say. Um, is the comedy in this film is largely a comedy of juxtaposition? Like it's not a quippy movie. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like you know a modern Apatow movie. You know Seth Rogen's zinging out one-liners and like they're witty and funny, um, but they're not doing the same thing. This is like this movie's comedy largely comes from. Aykroyd and Belushi being nonchalant in the face of insanity. Um, (laughs) I'd I'd say that's accurate. Yeah, and maintaining their cool, specifically in the face of repeated attempts on their life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also, like, it does things like uh, that great shot later whenever uh, the good old boys are chasing them in that camper, Mm -hmm. and you get that shot from the front of the camper, and you've got uh, got Bob of Bob's Country Bunker uh, driving, and then you've got uh, the leader of the good old boys in the passenger seat, and then there's a window above them in the camper and you can see the other four good old boys are just like laying on their stomachs up there uh-huh. and it's not remarked upon it's just a goofy ass shot and it's just in there like and no one's like everybody's playing it with a straight face and uh-huh. that's fucking amazing um well i saw um uh an american werewolf in london like maybe in my 20s or something oh yeah and that struck me as like landis is good at this weird sort of genre blend yeah yeah well yeah that does this like that whole sequence in the london zoo and american werewolf is like the same kind of comedy it's like look at all these people being normal there goes a naked guy uh-huh. um who legit just dealt with something really horrifying <laughs> um that is an interesting movie man yeah where american werewolf is fascinating <laughs> uh, we should watch that sometime soon um it's a good one yeah but like even even towards the end when like you've got a literal army chasing the blues brothers <laughs> and then they go into the assessor's office and steven spielberg's just there eating a sandwich like <laughs> that's it it's just it's 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 you know here's this thing here's this thing how are these things existing together mm-hmm. ah it's so damn funny i mean did you did you feel that 
Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the sort of the shot and the density of information in it, and that there's jokes Ooh. layered in there. That's I, a great way to put that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought that um, for, particularly when compared to the other SNL movies, yeah, like, it's just really richly shot. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot to it. One of the opening shots is from underneath the grate as they're walking out the prison. Yeah. Like, the, the two biggest notes I had is that this sort of feels... Um, like, they really gave it their all for a comedy, like, more than a lot would. Yeah. And it reminded me a lot of a stage musical. Like, mm-hmm. it, when you say that there's questionable acting in, in parts, which there certainly are. Matt I... Guitar Murphy is a horrible actor. <laughs> he's a he's an amazing guitar player. He's one of the worst actors I've ever seen. They had the good sense to only give Steve Cropper, like, two lines. Uh-huh. That guy played on Green Onions. He can act however he wants. <laughs> <laughs> But the it's just such heightened reality and odd yeah. to begin with that it reminds me more of a musical mm-hmm. where I think less about logic, I think less about acting. Yeah. So that didn't even necessarily stick out to me that much. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mind it. Like I said, right, like, right. that horn section's kicking. I don't care how they can act. <laughs> but like, it's just, they shot the hell out of it Yeah. for anything, let alone an SNL comedy movie. Yeah, I kept thinking about Edgar Wright. Um, mm-hmm. Because Edgar Wright is another guy who knows how to use, uh, like, the language of cinema and the camera itself to enhance comedy. Yeah. Like Simon Pegg's really funny, but he's never as funny as he is in an Edgar Wright movie because <laughs> Edgar Wright makes him funnier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from Simon Pegg. He's really talented, but like he's just money with that guy. Um, and Landis here is using the camera and cinema to heighten the comedy, but in a totally different way from how Edgar Wright does it. Mm-hmm. Edgar Wright does it kind of like how Sam Raimi would. And this is just like... Yeah, here's here's this shit. Like, isn't this crazy? <laughs> um, like, the camera is kind of looking at reality the same way the Blues Brothers do, mm-hmm. and then it's just like, yeah, there there there's the insanity over there. <laughs> I don't know what we're gonna do. Um, and even like the uh, the Think musical number in the diner, yeah, like that's a big, lengthy, produced segment that means nothing. Like, it's a one off joke. Yeah, of that he's like, no, we're we're leaving. Well, it's also just an excuse for Aretha Franklin to sing her hit song "Think." Well, and that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's sort of the fact that it's completely inconsequential doesn't bother me at all. It the way indulgent. that it feels like a musical <laughs> yeah. does, and it's like uh, that. Uh, just sidebar that moment when when Jake and Elwood just get up and start dancing in the middle of that, <laughs> like without their expressions changing. Like, this is what we do now. <laughs> um, we are compelled by an outside force to just boogie for a moment, and then they just sit back down. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's, it's so good. Uh, uh, so I guess I'll start at the beginning. It starts with uh, with uh, Jake Blues get Joliet Jake Blues getting out <laughs> of uh, Joliet State Penitentiary. Um, so th- there's a lot of like really good looking cinematography just as he's walked through the prison. My favorite, one of my favorite visual gags in the whole movie starts here when he goes up to that. Uh, that uh window with the with the the prison worker who's going to give him back his uh his belongings that he had when he got into the joint mm-hmm. um and it's frank oz first off um oh, really? so i didn't notice that that's frank oz yeah <laughs> you close your eyes it's a little bit fozzy or, or yoda um yeah. reminiscent of the clockwork orange sequence a little bit um whenever they're giving anyone back their personal effects oh, yeah, that's yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, what yeah, i think yeah. of but my favorite uh it's it's such a silly little gag and it's it barely even qualifies as a gag but like it, the the movie movie does this stuff over and over where we we we're we're on the window with frank oz in it and he's like yeah have the prisoner step forward and then you pull back and you realize the wall around the window isn't really a wall (laughs) and he's just got this like little bitty like sort of flimsy old west backdrop (laughs) setup and i don't even know if that's actually a joke it's just like (laughs) 
in there as just a little just a little bit of gravy for you um and <laughs> that feels he, very edgar wright like adding in layers of visual humor yeah where he just sort of ticks your eye a little bit yeah <laughs> like i don't is that funny i think <laughs> like i laughed uh-huh. um um and then uh he goes through jake's personal effects the suit one prophylactic um <laughs> unused one soiled yeah Ew. One time X watch <laughs> broken, which by the way, way later in the movie, uh, Jake looks at the watch. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And you wouldn't even know it if you hadn't like, if they hadn't called out that the watch was broken. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and then, and then Jake has to sign for everything, but he's not allowed to step past the line. And probably at that point it would have been fine for him to step past the line. But I love the little bit of character work that like Jake's not taking any chances <laughs> and he just leans forward and props himself on the counter and signs for his personal effects and then gets out. And then, uh, then <laughs> did he sign an X? He did sign simply an X. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, he, he walks to the front of the prison yard. The giant prison door opens, because that's apparently <laughs> how they let people out. Uh-huh. Um, and he, uh, he comes face-to-face with his brother, Elwood. Um, and uh, then, then She Caught the Katie starts playing, and we're off to the races. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's real good. Uh, yeah, so then they're, they're driving, and of course, Jake's first question is, uh, why are you driving a police cruiser? Uh, um, <laughs> and Elwood explains that he traded the old blues mobile for a microphone. Um, so their situation's been downgraded during the time he was in prison. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, because the band couldn't play. Right, right. Because Jake was in prison. <laughs> um, yeah, and so he, uh, he, he, he is driving them back to uh back home or no he's driving them to cat to uh to see the penguin at the orphanage where they grew up mm-hmm. um that nun the <laughs> creepy creepy nun um but they have this little fight uh and then the first of many many car stunts occurs where <laughs> elwood knows he has to convince jake of how badass the new blues mobile is so he veers off the road and jumps a drawbridge <laughs> and it's sick yeah, like, I can only imagine the number of like undercarriages they destroyed with cars landing in this oh, movie. Oh, just bottoming out. <laughs> yeah, God, they they left a lot of mufflers uh, <laughs> on the pavement, man. Um, yeah, and it was it, it was a sweet jump. Like, yeah. like the car stunts like are fucking really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you could cut them into an action movie and it'd be like, <laughs> this is really awesome, actually. Uh, yeah. So they they they're kind of off the races. We get our first take of sort of the dynamic between these two guys. You get the feeling that Elwood is that I don't know. I got the feeling Jake was kind of the leader of the two of them. Mm-hmm. Like he's the more proactive one. He's certainly the more outgoing one. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elwood is a bit more clipped. Um, and yeah, I mean that that's I think makes sense for the dynamic of the one being outside of prison, sort of letting it all fall away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he, yeah. Elwood seems kind of sad. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, like God, let's wait till we get to his apartment. <laughs> um, so they got to go see this nun, the penguin, um, and uh, they they get there, and you 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 see very quickly that John Landis is an accomplished horror director, because <laughs> um, like the way he frames that stairwell is just ugh. Ugh. Is it established like the why they were in an orphanage, or it's just they were raised in an orphanage? They're just they were raised in an orphanage. Fair enough. Yeah. Did, yeah. The, did the characters on SNL have any? Nope. They were any barely characters on right. on SNL. Like they first showed up uh, playing. I think they were singing Queen Bee, um, and they were dressed as bees. 
<laughs> okay. Um, yeah, or no, it was King B. King B is the name of the song. Um, it's a Muddy Waters tune. Hmm. And uh, yeah, they were dressed as bees singing King B. Um, <laughs> and I think they showed up like once or twice beyond that doing little musical numbers. But I like, the, I don't think they ever actually had a skit to my knowledge. Huh. Yeah. These are like extremely thin SNL characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they don't have backstories or anything. Good to know. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like Night at the Roxbury level of depth. Yeah. There's some guys doing a weird thing. Like even less than that, though. <laughs> right. Um, because they were never, like no other fictional characters ever like, interacted with them. They just came out as these characters and did did blues songs. Huh. Like huh. they weren't. I'll have to in, dig up some old. Yeah, skits I, I mean, please, facebook.com slash refried reviews. <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong, guys. But that my understanding is they were never in any actual skits. Mm-hmm. These were just two characters that Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi played while they performed blues tunes. <laughs> Clearly, I should have done more independent yeah. research. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. It's fine. Um, so yeah, then uh, then they find themselves very briefly in like a, a fucking German expressionist movie while they're in this uh, <laughs> in this uh, stairwell while the bloodiest Jesus the art department could find stares down at them. <laughs> that is a grim fucking Christ. <laughs> where does where does this movie land in the timeline compared to like Poltergeist and Rosemary's Baby? <laughs> oh, this is after Rosemary's Baby before Poltergeist. Okay, yeah, interesting. Um, and so there's an established super creepy visual style to... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I get the feeling these guys just found religion creepy. Um, yeah, so they uh, they go into the uh, the nun's office and, like, uh, she explains to them, basically, that the, or- that the orphanage owes the uh, tax assessor's office $5,000, which is a very round number. Um, and if they don't get it, if the Cook County Assessor's Office doesn't get the money by, like... T- four days from then then the place is going to get shut down and uh we have our movie there you go um you got a premise these guys got to find some money um because they can't let the orphanage get shut down it's a fucking orphanage they're not monsters that's true um and they're kind uh, of monsters at some points they are a little bit monstrous <laughs> yeah they're, it's you could make an argument that these aren't good people <laughs> they never really hurt anybody uh, well, that was a lot of flipped police cars. That's true. Like people probably died. It um, didn't even have a dark night. Like someone could have been killed. Yeah, thrown in after just yeah. to assure you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they probably killed some police officers, <laughs> um, and they definitely killed some Nazis. But they're Nazis, so who gives a shit about that? True. Yeah, um, Illinois Nazis. <laughs> I hate <laughs> Illinois Nazis. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they 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 have this you know exchange where basically they say we'll get the money and jake basically offers to steal the money and um and the nun will not take the money and uh then he says you're up shit creek which leads to a storm of profanity from the blues brothers (laughs) and getting whapped um with a yardstick (laughs) by uh by the penguin yeah that was fun i imagine it was more subversive at the time (laughs) yeah yeah definitely um the one thing I do want to point out here is just like the economy of movement to Aykroyd and Belushi's performances. Like they don't waste anything in this scene. <laughs> like when they sit down against the wall and then each of them has a unique way of scooting up to the penguins desk. <laughs> <laughs> and then they like settle back into their like too cool for school poses because like th- there's like a layered bit of character work there where like both of them are kind of intimidated. So they need to kind of pose a little bit. And it's the only time you really see them do anything like that. Uh-huh. Um, the rest of the time they're just kind of naturally cool. Um, yeah, that I, I, I really, really, really loved that. That was, that was, that was good stuff. So they, uh, they fall down the stairs and their desks break and then the nun floats back into her office. Um, 
And uh, then fucking Cab Calloway shows up. Uh-huh. Holy shit, dude. Cab Calloway is in this movie. Do you know who Cab Calloway was? I don't think so. He was like a Harlem Renaissance jazz legend. Hmm. Like the dude played with like Duke Ellington and all those guys back, way back in the day. Like he would hang out with Langston Hughes. Mm-hmm. And he's in Blues Brothers. <laughs> So they pulled out all Fuck. the stops? Yes. <laughs> and he's not just like making a cameo like Aretha does. Like he fucking is in Blues Brothers. <laughs> and he does maybe the best musical number, which we'll get to later, Minnie the fucking Moocher. Um, oh, God, that's so cool. I can't believe they got Cab Calloway. Um, and he's awesome and explains basically the same thing that not explained to them. Um, also, I, I really like that uh, he had uh, Curtis, uh, who's Cab Calloway's character, um, Oh, yeah, real quick, before that, there's a shot of Jake scooting out of the, the Penguin's office and down the stairs that's overhead, and it looks ex- it's exactly the shot of Abergast getting stabbed in Psycho. Really? <laughs> Remember when Abergast goes up the stairs and there's an overhead shot of, of uh, n- n- Mrs. Bates, quote-unquote, uh-huh. right, coming right. out of the bedroom and going after him, and you just see the top of her head? It's basically... It, I, you will never convince me John Landis was not doing Psycho in that huh. moment. Like... <laughs> Fucking cool, man. <laughs> um, oh, it's great. Um, yeah. Well, he certainly seems informed by the medium. Like, I could definitely see him taking from classics all over the place. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, American Werewolf is so damn postmodern. <laughs> um, so then they end up down in Curtis's basement, uh, basement like, shack room area. Um, yeah, and he has a picture of Martin Luther King, a picture of Malcolm X, and a picture of Robert Kennedy on his wall. <laughs> And it's 1980. Uh (laughs) That is is great. Um, One thing that kind of hit me at this point was, like, this movie is a lot more tightly plotted than most comedies now are. Mm -hmm. Like, modern comedies are real, like, shaggy doggish. Like, I'm thinking about, about, like, the 40-year-old virgin and, like, sort of the tendency towards, like, the modern hangout hangout comedy. Uh And how, like, they really let scenes breathe and, like, we might not get to the whole, holy shit, you're a virgin, we gotta get you laid thing until, you know, like, and granted, that's, like, a seven or eight-year-old movie, so it's not the best example, but, you know, those Apatow movies, like, they kind of have become, like, how we do comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's... I mean, there's, there is a lot of sort of riffing yeah that was absent previously (laughs) yeah and that's fine like i love riffing but Mm -hmm. like this is really tight in terms of like you know getting everything out there um it's (laughs) how slow moving the plot is (laughs) (laughs) they do a lot of stuff well it kind of does slow up i made i made that note about how tightly plotted it was (laughs) and then the movie does kind of slow to a crawl (laughs) because um curtis tells him to go to church where james brown is the preacher (laughs) and that's uh, that's awesome um, Isn't this sort of the first big, like, um, uh, what is it, diegetic musical sequence? Yes. Well, that's the other thing, is this movie, like, it tiptoes into being a musical. It's not a musical until an hour in. Right. <laughs> and But even the initial music scenes are, like, it makes sense for people to be singing and dancing, kind of, in this Yeah, context. I mean, granted, they're, like, flipping 30 feet in the air. Right. But they have the spirit. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, you're right. That, like, they're at church, and there's a band at church, and they're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later, uh, I think the next one is probably John Lee Hooker. Um Where's where they're playing at the club and everyone's screaming at them and throwing bottles? How um, far into it is that? That's after they get the band back together. Oh, that's so right. yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, yeah, and Aretha's <laughs> got to sing before that, uh-huh. so that Matt Guitar Murphy can not have anything to do, just <laughs> try to figure out what to do with his hands while she's singing. Um, <laughs> poor guy. He's just he's way out of his depth. <laughs> he's a bad actor. Um, I'm sorry, Matt. 
Um, so yeah, they uh, they go to church, and that's when Jake realizes the band. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first he didn't want to go to church and he's all grumbly about it. And that's kind of cute. And Elwood's like the more reasonable one. Like, it seems like their dynamic is, yeah, like Jake's the guy who can persuade people to do stuff, mm-hmm. but Elwood's the guy who can persuade Jake to do stuff. Hmm. I like that. <laughs> you know? And he, uh, and he, he kind of has a little bit of a better idea of like, okay, we got to do what we got to do. Um, <laughs> you know, cause he's the guy who like, I mean, it's, it's, it's exemplified in the fact that he bought a cop car. Um, to be the new blues mobile, which Jake never would have done because like mm. gross, but like it's objectively a very good car. Um, and it's made before catalytic converters, so it'll run final regular gas. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah, <laughs> it was really strange. Um, yeah, do they even say unleaded on gas station signs anymore? I feel like they don't. Like we just kind of know there's no there's no lead in gas. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's probably like a you know a legacy thing. Like yeah. you'll see it in the older ones, but it has been phased out. Yeah, <laughs> since which you know good. Um, <laughs> it's it's very good news. Um, oh yeah, so that's this is the scene. the The church scene is the scene where Jake checks his watch. Um, uh-huh. they're, they're, they're watching the preacher and he's bored and he looks down at his watch, which we were told like 15 minutes ago is not functioning. <laughs> um, and that's fucking great. Um, yeah. So, uh, it feels very dense. I yeah. Like there's a lot of room for stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's all these little asides and then like little, little things like later after this, uh, that night they drive back to Elwood's place. He lives in a shitty flop house and like he parks, the bluesmobile like inside a generator room or something <laughs> and like it's just a single shot of them opening this thing up and uh then elwood pl- uh pulls into it and then climbs out the car because he's it's too tight for him to open the door <laughs> um and he climbs onto the top of the bluesmobile and off the back of it and then they close it up and like i mean it's clearly they're, they clearly cannot legally park there <laughs> Um, but yeah, like little... not the most law-abiding pair. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, this is also uh, this is also when the fucking mall chase happens, mm-hmm. which <laughs> serves no plot purpose other than to get that cop who later will be Creighton Duke in Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday, um, <laughs> perhaps the weirdest of the Friday the Thirteenth films, um, on to Jake and Elwood's tail. Mm-hmm. That's all it does, but. Uh, can you, can you, what, tell, tell me what you thought of this, this, this chase. Well, it, it sort of goes to something that occurred to me that the way it's cut seemed more modern than I expected of like, I was impressed how close it was to the crank joke of like, that there's no expression on his face as a lot of this stuff is happening yeah. and like talking at the phone at the same time. Um, it's in a much later chase. It might be during the final police chase, but there's a gag where it's like, pull off here and smash cut to them breaking through the freeway barrier. Yeah, like that yeah. stuff, it, it feels more modern than the movie looks. Yeah. So I, I thought there was a lot of great gags yeah. uh, sort of of that style. Yeah. You could like, you could film different interiors for the cars and like cut Jake and Elwood out and rescore it. And it would work in an action movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's set to fucking can't turn you loose, which is this, the most upbeat soul song ever. <laughs> and you're like, we're having a great time right now. Like, and probably murdering people who work in that toy store. <laughs> um, which also the, the, the guy at the toy store asked, do you have the miss piggy just as a, an aside to Frank Oz, <laughs> um, who I don't think had any role in this other than, uh, other than, the guy at the prison like he wasn't involved beyond that they just wanted to take digs at frank oz for some reason (laughs) buddies with people yeah probably (laughs) but i love them driving around and just nonchalantly this place has everything (laughs) (laughs) 
And it's, yeah, the comedy is just Jake and Elwood being cool about stuff while everybody else is like, ah, we gotta get you. And, you know, that's, I mean, there's, wow, I feel like there's some Looney Tune that I can't think of. Oh, yeah, it's fucking Bugs Bunny. Like, <laughs> that's his game is just, I'm gonna be cool. Uh, also seems to have no regard for anyone but himself. Yes. Bugs Bunny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you accusing the Blues Brothers of having no regard for anyone but themselves? <laughs> they do have this They're sort saving of... a fucking orphanage, JP. <laughs> A little bit of cop blood goes a long way. It's true. I mean, they. De- I mean, you know, if a couple of cops got to die to save those orphans, like the cops lived full lives. Those orphans got their whole lives ahead of them. I mean, that orphanage looks so great too. Yeah. I'm sure it's leading, you know, upstanding citizens like more Blues Brothers. <laughs> Are you a fucking narc? <laughs> Not all the way. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Um, and it ends the 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 chase ends with that awesome shot of them just bursting through the wall uh-huh. like the fucking alien out of somebody's chest, <laughs> <laughs> and then they're done. And then, the, yeah, all that chase does is just to get that guy on their tail. And it's the first of many different parties that are just going to be pursuing the Blues Brothers for this movie. Yeah, um, like this th- this could just be the story of them starting their band again. But they have a flagrant disregard for the law. <laughs> um, There's no calm way to drive between these places. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, and it's not like Elwood could, you know, get his license unsuspended or anything. Or they could just take the subway. Um, I mean, Chicago, you know, is not known for its public transport. <laughs> and that car did seem like it was worth something. They could probably, you know, get by on other means. <laughs> yeah. Or get a couple of nice microphones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah that um that 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 kind of leads them into how are we going to get the band back together and like this is when the movie kind of becomes a series of vignettes of all the movies it could have reminded me of it started reminding me of the wizard of oz here mm-hmm. like oh, <laughs> adventure to adventure <laughs> yeah like okay we've got a thing now we've got a we're gonna basically have this tiny little one act play where we solve a problem and then we're gonna move on to our next tiny little one act play. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one they do is they go and get uh, Murph and the Magic Tones. Um, <laughs> well, first they go to where Murph used to li- used to live mm-hmm. and uh, they talk to his former landlady. You know, quiet boys, but they play the records until uh, all hours. <laughs> Are you boys with the police? No, ma'am. We're musicians. <laughs> it's. Just, it's I don't have anything to say about that other than it's really funny. Yeah. Um, It's a good line. Yeah. And uh, they find Merv and the Magic Tones at a Holiday Inn playing for an indifferent, sad crowd. (laughs) And, like, I've played a decent number of gigs in my life. And I've played, like, that Holiday Inn. I didn't have to wear the tuxes, but I've been in, like, shitty cover bands playing for nobody. Right. And it's, it, it, like... It sucks, and then it keeps sucking for like an hour. I bet. And you have to keep acting like you're having like an upbeat good time, and like no Kick one's the speaker resp- over. Yeah, like no one's fucking responding, and it just, ugh, it's really, it's really rough. Um, I felt for those guys. I really <laughs> felt for those guys, especially T- Steve Cropper. He's better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of these musicians were better than what they were doing. Oh, absolutely. Like f- <laughs> fucking Donald Duck Dunn, man. Come on, I played on Soulfinger. I think. Um, <laughs> It's a really good song. Everybody, check out Soulfinger. Mm-hmm. Um, Barkays, guys. Barkays. Actually, no, he didn't because he was not in the Barkays. He was in Booker T and the MGs. Sorry. Um, I'll take your word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Booker T and the MGs did Green Onions. They were also the backing band for most of Stax Records stuff. Okay. Um, like Aretha and uh, that sort of shit. The Barkays got formed because Otis Redding was so popular that he needed a separate touring band. 
So the mm. barcades were just for Otis. <laughs> but then Otis unfortunately died in a plane crash, and they got a barcades were still the barcades. Yeah, had to find something else to do. They had to figure some things out. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was awkward. Um, <laughs> so then they wrote Soulfinger, and it's the greatest dance party song of all time. You can go to any party regardless of demographic if you turn on soul finger i promise people's asses are going to shake uh-huh. it's badass i might cut soul finger in right now uh, in post keep that in the vest for the next bar mitzvah i go to oh dude yeah i would crush at a bar mitzvah oh, those kids wouldn't know what hit them man um yeah so uh so they so they, at this point like this is the first time i feel like we see jake turn on the inspiration for the band because mm-hmm. um, he, he pep talks these guys all the time and he's kind of <laughs> taking them for a ride but he he leans in and says me and the lord we got an understanding <laughs> it's the first time elwood follows up with we're on a mission from god uh-huh. um but he i love inspirational jake and like because it's, it's it's the exact same thing as bullshitter jake um real 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 good stuff um yeah, uh, we also skip, by the way, they go to a super sad apartment where Elwood lives. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the train goes by so often, you won't even notice it. <laughs> and also, it's the first time we see Elwood cooking his favorite food, dry white toast, <laughs> in which he cooks on a coat hanger over a hot plate. <sighs> it's perhaps my favorite representation of poverty. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, what would you think of the flop house? I and mean, also it's... the attempted murder there. I, I'll let you cover that whole thing, by the way. I've been talking too much. Uh-huh. Well, just so many of the set pieces, What uh, the only thing that really drew my attention was how detailed they all are. Like It just felt like no sort of effort was spared yeah. <laughs> in setting these kinds of things up. Um, I mean, it's sort of, it's backtracking a little bit to the mall, but the other major thing I wrote down through a lot of these progressions is that it reminds me of a musical crossed with GTA. (laughs) And it kind of makes me happy that I feel a little weird about uh, things like Grand Theft Auto as they get more and more realistic. And it's like, wow, that really looks like a person coming up over my windshield. (laughs) And it's good to know (laughs) that... The closer we get to the Uncanny Valley, the more culpable we feel for murder. (laughs) And but I'm I'm glad to know that there has been ridiculous, senseless like uh, driving through a mall. I'm like, I wonder if I can get through those two rails. Those people dive out of the way. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, they consistently do. Yeah, you know. But just that people have thought that that was sort of an acceptable thing to watch and think is funny for that long <laughs> made me happy. Made me feel well, less guilty about video game playing. Well, it's clearly a cartoon. Sure. Like, not, these aren't actual people. I mean, this this universe has a crazy... Like, Carrie Fisher continues to have access to military-grade weaponry <laughs> throughout this. And she's a salon owner. Like, God knows how she's getting this shit. She has a flamethrower, and it came with an instruction manual. A really detailed instruction manual, by the way. It was the size of, like, a phone book. You probably don't want to throw people out there with a few words on how to use that thing. <laughs> I guess that's. I'd prefer that to to a pamphlet. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. So they. This is the first time Carrie Fisher shows up as mm-hmm. well when they get to the flop house because they roll up and they're uh, they're 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 headed in, and then uh, Carrie Fisher rolls up. She's a woman character. That was interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is she the only female? Well, no. There's two female characters. There's uh, there's the nun. <laughs> and uh, and Carrie Fisher. Um, are there any other women? Oh yeah, no. Twiggy shows up later. Uh huh. And I mean, tries to that. fuck Elwood. <laughs> I mean, I guess a few women get musical numbers more than oh yeah, dialogue or scenes or anything. Um, but yeah, no. It, this movie does not pass the Bechdel test, as far as I know. <laughs> if that's what you're getting at, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So what's Carrie Fisher's primary motivation here? Was She's she, uh, 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 Jake left her at the altar. Oh, okay. I knew it was a romantic interest of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jake left her at the altar um, with like her whole family there. And like her dad had paid for this huge lavish wedding and he just like bounced. <laughs> and she heard he got out of prison and she got a hold of some really fucking serious uh, hardware, <laughs> including in this scene, a four barreled rocket launcher. Also kind of GTA. <laughs> Hey, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, she basically, you know, fails a drive-by mission. Um, so she's the newest on the list and in, in pursuit. She's number two. Uh, yeah, she's going to be joined soon by Illinois Nazis and um, and the good old boys. <laughs> so are they still on their reform the, the, reform the band mission at this yeah, point? Yeah, and this, this is also the first, uh, probably my favorite gag in this movie, is their continued nonchalance at the repeated efforts of Carrie Fisher to murder them. Uh-huh. Like, every time, because there's later, when the good old boys shoot at them, they react, and they're like, oh, God, we're getting shot at. <laughs> but at no point do they take the threat of Carrie Fisher seriously. <laughs> like, they dive out of the way of the rockets, and then they lay there while bricks fall on them, and then they just get up, and they don't even talk to each other about what just happened. <laughs> and it's the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, it's so good. And they do take nonchalance to incredible bounds. Yeah, this. it's so, oh, it's no, like, the, so, so fucking less is more. Like, Kevin Pollack would be so proud of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so then they go upstairs to the sad little flop house. Elwood bought a guy some cheese whiz. <laughs> Again, That's right. And like, and, like, is that a joke? Like, I, it's probably you know, uh, my art imitating whiz. life. <laughs> and where's my cheese whiz? <laughs> Fucking what? Like, and then they go into uh, Elwood's sad, sad little apartment. Um, that like the when you open the door, it hits the bed. <laughs> uh, Do yeah. you watch uh, Better Call Saul? By chance, no, I've seen like the first five episodes. His, yeah, his office reminds me. <laughs> it's a little bit like his office. Yeah, absolutely. It's sad. It's really sad. Um, next morning's a process server played by uh, the always welcome John Candy shows up <laughs> with uh, with some cops, and uh, they are just about to serve a warrant when um, Carrie Fisher shows up again and sets off a lot of explosives <laughs> and basically destroys the building. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you got to put them on the run somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, then Elwood's got to go to work um, <laughs> where he quits by informing his boss that he's going to become a priest. <laughs> oh, that's right. Also, did you notice uh, in the scene with him and the other, I guess he's like a glue, spray glue inspector or something. He stands on the line and makes sure the glue's okay. Uh-huh. And like he grabs a, he grabs a can of glue and throws it into his... Um, into his briefcase and then leaves. But the girl who's supposed to be watching the glue alongside him, like she's just letting it pile up and just fall <laughs> on the floor. Like this place is it's, it's an institutional failure. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is just the visual humor everywhere. Like yeah. that, that does feel very Edgar Wright at this moment in time. Like yeah. he knows how to be like, there's space in the frame for something. <laughs> yeah. And it never goes as far as like airplanes, visual humor. Mm-hmm. Like airplane is like gaggy. 
Um, and it's great. Like Airplane's one of the best comedies, actually, perhaps the best comedy ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. I think I like Airplane better than I like Blues Brothers. And I, as if you, if you guys haven't figured <laughs> out yet, I fucking love Blues Brothers. I loved Airplane when I was a kid. It's uh, been a very long time. Might have to cover Airplane sometime soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is. It actually, uh, in terms of like some the some university did a study, and in terms of laughs per minute, it is mathematically the funniest movie ever made. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. It's oh god. I I don't want to turn this into the Airplane podcast because I totally will. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, th- none of these gags are like airplane gags. Like in airplane, um, like they would do something like have the girl next to Elwood pick up some of the glue and sniff it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or even airplane would go broader than that. But like this is more real world being affected by the craziness of what's going on. Yeah. Or just like shit that's barely a joke. <laughs> um, like that's not really funny, mm. but it's so funny and I can't explain <laughs> why it works. <laughs> well, minutia is funny sort of in, in all art of the like anytime you can ask, why would they include that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like why would you go to that trouble? Like, like, Hey kid, did you get my cheese whiz? All right. Like, I don't know, like, and I know part of the project to this podcast is us figuring out why movies that we've liked previously work. Like, that's mm-hmm. why we rewatch them, is right. to say, like, why did I like this the first time? And I wish I had a better answer for that question, <laughs> but I really fucking don't. Like, I I got, like, what do you, why do you think, did, I mean, did you find this shit as funny as I did? Um, these, It seems like you did. Yeah, yeah I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was sort of um, just ahead of, it's great in a lot of ways. Like a yeah. lot of the older comedies, I think it's sort of feels more modern feels yeah. uh, like they sort of, there was more intellectually going on when writing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, it was just a lot of fun. The, the length is a little daunting. I mean, the, the extended one it's is a two and a half hour movie. It's, yeah. Like, it's closer to three than two hours. <laughs> yeah. It's scary for a comedy. Yeah. It's absurd how long this movie is. <laughs> um, I mean, granted there, the musical numbers probably, padded out a good 20 minutes but then it's still an over two hour comedy right like uh, could have used an intermission and it wouldn't have shocked me like, no <laughs> i would have been fine with just a break to go get some red wine and talk in the lobby <laughs> would have been fine um but yeah like the, why do you think those gags work i mean I, I really do think it is sort of an extension of why would they include it and also so often you don't see the real world ramifications of like you know if it's the same joke as like if someone in the mall is just sitting there and they see the cop car go by mm-hmm. like it's sort of it's funny from the like the bystander view of all the craziness yeah. kind of like why why a lot of these gags in this movie work are the nonchalance but it's just seeing the real world of like if the blues brothers were a thing and yeah. they careen through my mall <laughs> like that would be kind of fucked Kareen up is a really good word to describe <laughs> what they do um, in any setting <laughs> they, that's how they get from place to place is primarily through careening <laughs> <laughs> excellent careeners Um, so sort of like the glue building up on the assembly line it's just a funny observation of like if this really happened like effects would reverberate out in non-hijinks ways they they cause ripples (laughs) (laughs) through their very existence they're displacing reality um yeah yeah um, we see that uh really well later after the murph and the magic tone scene when they go to that fancy restaurant in like maybe the most famous comedy scene in this movie 
it's the one that really lets fucking John Belushi swing for the fences. Uh, where <laughs> they are both super low key to the point of like, do they have lines? Yeah, um, <laughs> until a lot of it. until this scene, right? Um, and basically, they their scheme is they need to get the Mater D at this fancy fucking restaurant. Um, who's making? They give I, I forget how much money they say he's making. They're like, oh, he makes like fucking four hundred bucks a week now, because um, in nineteen eighty that was a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, God, that inflation's real sad, guys. <laughs> um, Soon dollars are going to be like yen, um, but uh, they they need to get him to come back um, to to play uh, to play trumpet for them and you know reform their horn section, which I really just want to stress once again is a fucking kicking horn section. <laughs> like I think like musically probably my favorite thing you know, and I I grew up as a guitar player, but like my favorite thing in all of music, if I could pick only one thing to listen to, it would be a super fucking tight horn section, hmm. like. I don't want them to solo. I just want them <laughs> to play really tight horn lines in unison huh. um, or in harmony and stuff. So would this be your favorite musical? Probably or? this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, it's oh god, the horn section is just oh, they're just they're, they're like a drum. Um, <laughs> ah, they're so good. Um, what did you think of the music? I think I probably like soul and blues more than you do. Um, uh, I but, mean, I, I thought it was the whole thing was an entertaining romp. Like yeah. I watched it the way that I watch musicals, which is not that often, but I enjoy them. Yeah, yeah. So sort of the uh, I like a lot of the aesthetic just sort of how odd it is yeah that it's kind of a comedy but also kind of five other things yeah it's a lot of stuff um, like it's kind of a buddy movie and it's kind of a road trip movie and it's kind of a comedy and kind of an action yeah it's just cool it's just itself it's a pastiche yeah um and and, and yeah this i'm getting the feeling this is gonna be a long one guys so everybody <laughs> strap in um but uh yeah they um they they basically their scheme is okay we're going to come to this restaurant and we're going to be the worst customers ever and we're going to skip out on a bill every day three meals a day until you quit your job and come play trumpet for us <laughs> um which is a horrible thing to do uh-huh. um and yeah let's let's just do a quick bullet point list of the shit they do um, <laughs> so what was your favorite of the little gags in here cuz there's so many oh god um can you give me one? I mean, I'm going to really... start with uh, with uh, sell me your children. Um, <laughs> how much for the little girl? Um, which is just John Belushi just be- belushing, right? And just belushing it up. Yeah, I mean the the closest thing that I thought of was the Seinfeld. Like the Chinese restaurant had a lot of that. Yeah, of like uh, trying to pay Elaine uh, to just go eat an egg roll off someone's table without <laughs> saying a word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I felt that was probably the biggest inspiration from that misbehaving in a restaurant. Yeah, I mean, I guess like Mrs. Doubtfire and stuff. Is, yeah, you know, mania. <laughs> yeah, no, the 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 the. the the, the quick rundown of their gags here they uh there's the sell me the little girl jo, jo, uh, jake goes over to the next table over and in a weird slavic accent asks the father to sell his wife and children to him <laughs> which is awesome they order like six shrimp cocktails and a bottle of the most expensive champagne which is brought to them by the way by paul rubens i don't know if you noticed I that didn't notice that. that was paul rubens serving wow. the champagne yeah <laughs> Um, and, uh, then when it's time for the champagne, Jake grabs the champagne glass, Elwood grabs the water cup, um, and to which, you know, one of the waiters points out correctly, um, wrong glass, sir. 
And uh, he just sort of waves it while chewing on some shrimp. <laughs> um, later, he grabs a fistful of bread and crams it in his face. It's a little bit hedonism, but oh yeah, no, it's it's amazing. Like because it's uh, like I don't think any of this shit was in the script. I think it was just like Ackroyd Belushi, just be awful. I would be curious if this movie was sort of like just coverage film to death and they carved it out or whether mm. it was like a fairly, well, tight script isn't that long, but yeah. you know. <laughs> I think this scene was that. I think they, sh- uh-huh. I, if I if I had to bet, I'd say they, they shot this scene the way they shot a lot of like Animal House and then later other stuff because the rest of it, like it's the, the, the plot scenes are pretty damn tight. Even, even earlier when he was convincing Murph and the Magic Tones to join the Blues Brothers again, like... That scene goes by real quick, mainly because you don't want to linger on any of that band saying lines. Um, <laughs> they're really bad actors. Well, I mean, you know they have to join up, so what's the point of lengthening like, yeah, the argument? <laughs> exactly. Like, let's get to this super entertaining, because I think Landis knew he had money with this. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's real good. So eventually he, <laughs> he gets uh, he gets Bones Malone to, uh, to join, um, and then they... Um, they uh, head over to this diner... Um, and that was that was when I um for oh well, well before that they see the Illinois Nazis which who are in this movie for no reason <laughs> they don't have any effect on anything uh-huh. um they're just some Illinois Nazis um <laughs> which I guess was topical at the time because uh there was a famous court case at the time I forget uh what the town was in Illinois but there was a town in Illinois where the uh the Nazi party wanted to hold a rally and the local government um like cons- basically conspired to keep them from having it and then a Jewish guy defended them in court. Mm-hmm. Um, into the Illinois, I believe it went to the state Supreme Court and like the Nazis won. Uh-huh. And he wrote a book about it called Defending My Enemy and basically said like, no, they're, they're assholes, but the First Amendment's the First Amendment for everybody. A they Jewish have... lawyer? Yep. Uh, Imagine that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, he... I mean, Nazis suck, but he's right. I'm just being a jerk. I know. (laughs) He's not wrong. Like, Nazis want to march. We got to let them march. (laughs) But you can drive a car at them. That's fine. (laughs) Well, I guess the closest comparison I can think of is uh, Dawn of the Dead. I'm always like, there are bikers in this movie? Yeah. (laughs) The Illinois Nazis are kind of the Tom Savini bikers of Blues Brothers. (laughs) Yeah. It's fucking weird, man. Um, And then they just run them off the road and just give the Nazis a reason to fucking chase them down. Um, Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Kind of the architects of their own problems in a lot of this movie. Oh, if they had just stayed away from the Blues Brothers, they wouldn't have all died. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just that's the lesson of this movie is avoid the Blues Brothers at all costs. They're pretty deadly. (laughs) Yeah, like the band ended up in prison and they were the lucky ones. (laughs) Um, Nothing good. I don't think anything good happens to anyone who interacts with the Blues Brothers. (laughs) It's kind of a Jack Bauer affair. (laughs) Yeah, except maybe Cab Calloway. He gets out of it okay. Um, I was happy they ended up in prison. I couldn't remember the very end. I was like... It's going to be weird, however they wrap this up. (laughs) Did you just feel like justice needed to be served? (laughs) Well, I was just like, if if it is them just hanging out and free at the end, like, will they just hand wave that? Like, what's going to happen? (laughs) No, they Seinfelded it. Uh, Or I guess Seinfeld Blues Brothered it. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure everyone involved would be thrilled to hear that description. (laughs) Yeah, um, I mean, it's better than what everybody else said about that fucking episode. Um, Yeah, so they... uh, after the Illinois Nazis, then they head into the hood, and this is this scene is kind of when it really hit me how like 
clued in this movie is to like the socioeconomics of blues like this is just like the hood in fucking chicago that's Mm -hmm. all it is and like we're watching a bunch of like working class mostly african-american people walking around doing the stuff they do with their day Mm -hmm. and john lee hooker and his badass band are set up playing fucking boom boom which if anybody listening has not heard the song boom boom by john lee hooker like fucking turn this shit off (laughs) because this is not as good as boom boom by john lee hooker next Thank you, JP. Rain him in. I'm usually the one yelling at the audience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's 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 one particular shot after uh, while John Lee Hooker's playing where you see Jake and Elwood standing back, and they're about to go in the diner, and they're just watching John Lee Hooker play and talking to each other. And the way they're smiling, there's this beautiful moment where you can tell you're not looking at Jake and Elwood, you're looking at Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi, just saying like, I cannot believe we fucking got John Lee Hooker. <laughs> yeah, I got to write this, and here he is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here's this fucking legend. <laughs> um and then it, it i love how it ends with uh with john lee hooker saying he wrote boom boom and one of his band members like yelling at him that he didn't <laughs> and they get into a fight for a second which i don't believe was scripted uh, <laughs> and then from there they step onto a sound stage that had a diner built on it uh, <laughs> and uh aretha franklin's the waitress um yeah talk, talk about this scene a little bit this is our first non-diegetic musical number <laughs> So, I mean, this was probably my favorite, completely inconsequential, uh, essentially her telling him not to leave that just uh, explodes up in the number of dancers involved as they move around the restaurant. Yeah. It's really a beautifully orchestrated kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was great that she got the spotlight in the center of it and everything. It's just so musically that it's, you know... Her sort of dumping out all her emotion in there. And I'm like, all right, that's good. Moving on. Yeah. And then <laughs> Matt Guitar Murphy decides to leave anyway. And then <laughs> and then uh, Blue Lou, uh, the saxophone player, um, just sort of scampers after him like a scared cat. <laughs> um, and the band, is that the whole band? I think that's the whole band at that point. Um, and then they've got to... Uh, They've, they've got to go get some instruments. Um, oh yeah, and and again, so in the uh, in the diner, um, they Jake and Elwood. The way Matt Guitar Murphy knows they're there is through their uh, food orders, which Jake orders four fried chickens and a coke, and <laughs> Elwood orders dry white toast. And um, <laughs> you want you want jam or butter with that toast? No, ma'am, dry. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's almost Dragnet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he, you know, he starred in uh he starred in the Dragnet remake in the eighties with Tom Hanks. Yeah, I never saw that. I only yeah, saw the I show. I, I kept I saw it on T I saw parts of it on TNT as a kid all the time. And from what I remember it was really funny. Um yeah, Facebook.com slash refried reviews, guys. Let me know if Dragnet was funny. <laughs> we'll have to hold a vote for if anyone has any really oddball suggestions. Yeah, yeah. I would like to at some point revisit like eighties comedy Hanks. Before, like, he was America's sweetheart, and, like, the man, like, before he became the new Jimmy Stewart. You want to do, like, The Burbs, or Joe vs. the Volcano, or something? I've never seen Joe vs. the Volcano. I don't think I have either. Uh, no, I want to do, like, Bachelor Party, is what I want to do. I'm not positive I've ever seen that. I feel uh, like I've seen, I have, I've but... seen, like, the end of it. Uh, uh-huh. But I could do The Burbs. I've definitely seen The Burbs. The Burbs is fun. The Burbs is awesome. Isn't it Joe Dante? I think so. Yeah, I love Joe Dante. That definitely sounds like a match. <laughs> and that would be awesome because the, that that's weirdly tangential to this because John Landis and Joe Dante put out competing werewolf movies in the same year. <laughs> <laughs> was it The Howling and something? Yeah. Was what the was howling? the other one? Uh, no, American Werewolf. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. And, and yeah, it would be weird to go from go from here to a Joe Dante movie. <laughs> um, just, you know, just trying to keep you, the listener, on your toes. Um 
Yeah, so uh, why was I talking about Tom Hanks all of a sudden? <laughs> oh, yeah, so they the dry white toast um, yes. and the clip delivery. So they, uh, they go to get instruments from Ray's uh, music exchange. And fucking Ray Charles is there. Yeah, that was a pretty big surprise. I didn't remember that. <laughs> yeah, fucking. And then they do. Tw- then they do twist it, um, and it's great. Also, the the reason I brought up the dry white toast in the diner is this is the third instance of the running gag. Um, Elwood goes up to a toaster. Um, in there and produces toast from his jacket <laughs> and just tests the toaster. <laughs> oh that's good absurdist yeah and it's just so fucking good um but this is cool because this is the first um this is the first number where the whole band plays together mm-hmm. um and this is the first time like it this 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 number needed to sell you on how much this band can fucking cook um because you've heard how good the blues brothers were when the whole band was together and you have to see it in this moment I don't know about you, but I fucking bought it. Um, oh yeah, I mean the inclusion of Ray Charles was a nice little bonus point. Well, yeah, to get I mean, you put there. Ray Charles in your band is probably gonna be pretty good. Um, I really like, paid with an IOU. Yes, <laughs> I like the subtle touch of them when he's because the whole thing starts because he says there's some action left in this piano and he starts playing it and then Murph reaches over and just peels some siding off of the thing because <laughs> it's just a shitty ass piano. Um, yeah, so like th- th- that that kind of like. The musical numbers are generally purposeful. Um, I mean, Aretha, you could make an argument either way. Like, they could have just... But you did need to, like, see her give some pushback and, like, Mm. give... You had to give Matt Guitar Murphy some kind of obstacle to overcome, even if the obstacle was just, like, his nagging wife. Right, right. Um, I mean, it was, like, it was bolted on to the plot. Like, it had to do with something that was going on. It wasn't completely, like, family guy. It was like a spoiler on a Corolla. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's cool looking, um, but it doesn't have a whole lot of reason to be there. (laughs) (laughs) But it's cool looking. Um, Yeah. And then uh, once the band's together, I feel like the movie undergoes a pretty significant tonal shift. Like it gets it goes from being like kind of a caddy shacky absurdist comedy to being like turned up to 11 fucking wackadoo. Uh Um, (laughs) Like it's crazy at this point. So they're trying to get a gig. And um, they stop at a, at a phone booth. Well, before that, we see Carrie Fisher flipping through the uh, the owner's manual for this fucking um, flamethrower that she's bought at the Curl Up and Die Salon. Um, did you notice the name? I of did not notice. It's the called name. Curl Up and Die. D Y E. Ooh, so good. And that uh, feels like a half day in the writer's room. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, like ten minutes after the shot, where we're just told, like, by the way, Carrie Fisher has a flamethrower. The Blues Brothers get into this um, <laughs> poor, poor phone booth. <laughs> yes, they get, get into this phone booth together, and it's just framed just right. So we see there's a giant propane tank next to this phone booth, and like, if you have if you have a memory, like, did you know what was going to happen once you saw that propane tank? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to. It's yeah. The revolver in the first act. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is Chekhov's propane tank <laughs> so yeah carrie fisher rolls up with a flamethrower blows the thing sky high and before that they were having like a little conversation about whether or not they had quarters <laughs> and the phone booth lands the phone breaks open and jake rolls over oh hey or no elwood rolls over oh hey there's like seven dollars for the quarters right here <laughs> again just in as garrett would say just no selling carrie fisher's offense um, <laughs> little, little wrestling gag there for you um so yeah, then they go to Bob's Country Bunker and claim to be the good old boys so they can get some kind of gig. Mm-hmm. Um, did you notice that whether the ba- whether the crowd likes you or not, they throw bottles at you at Bob's? <laughs> 
Well, and I love the, the insults. Wasn't this like a peckerheads or something? Yeah, <laughs> uh, y'all peckerheads. <laughs> yeah, and um, there's also an incidental whip there, <laughs> just on stage, because you know they win the crowd over by playing rawhide instead of their usual shit. And uh, then Jake looks over, and there's just a whip. And isn't Wolverine involved in a cage match in the first X Men? <laughs> that looks a lot like that. It does look a lot like Bob's Country Bunker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that happens. Um, <laughs> they managed to, they skip out on their beer tab. Um, because, Which is greater than the money they made that night. Yes, um, <laughs> because they're the Blues Brothers. <laughs> um, and that's just how things go for them. Um, and yeah, they uh, that's when the good old boys roll up and uh, say they're there for the gig. And then it, Jake does the Jake hustle where he's like, oh, I'm with the musicians union. We're going to have to see your cards. We'll see if, about getting you a waiver. And then he kind of plays both sides against the middle, gets in the car and bounces. <laughs> something, something extortion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they roll out and then there's, guess what, guys? A car chase um, where they get shot at, but they do react in this case. Um, yeah. And then the next thing, you know, they're uh, they're going to Morty Slime their manager meeting him in a sauna with their fedoras and sunglasses on (laughs) and trying to convince him to give them uh, a gig and they get the palace hotel ballroom Mm -hmm. um, and they got to sell it out um, in a night and I love the the cut to the wider shot and then you see the whole band was in there with them (laughs) Uh, do you think that there's like a there was a list of like what are funny locations we could get them like if we can make it work in the story (laughs) steam room's a good one yeah where would it look weird for these guys to be (laughs) um steam room is a very very good one (laughs) Um, yeah um yeah, so they get the Palace Hotel, and that's that sort of brings us into our third act. Where, man, I hope these guys sell this thing out, and also everybody knows they're going to be there. The Illinois Nazis know, and uh, <laughs> the good old boys know, and the cops know, and John Candy knows. Um, remember how John Candy's in this giant shambling mess of a movie? I'm happy whenever I see him in anything. God, you want an orange whip? Orange whip? <laughs> Two orange whips. Uh, God, but he like... He was someone that I thought was so funny when I was really young. And, of course, there's, like, that year when it's, oh, yeah, he's not in anymore after yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm always happy when I see him pop up. God, he's he was just a treasure. So, so fucking good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so they, they get this gig. Um, Curtis enlists an army of orphans um, <laughs> to promote the show everywhere, um, which is, is super-duper cute. Um, the, everything from the Bob's chase to the big gig does kind of kill the pacing. Um, and they're even late to the show. (laughs) They are late to the show. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that like doesn't have a score and like, it's just a whole bunch of like, I don't know. It feels weird at this point. Did you feel that? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly getting toward the latter half of a close to three hour comedy. So there's some inherent drag of it just being weird that it was still happening. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) It is weird that it's still going on. Speaking of weird places to put the Blues Brothers, they strap a giant horn to the top of their car and just drive (laughs) around telling people about the show. And I love that they just drive onto a beach. Um, And then the the girls in bikinis swarm them and Elwood reacts by telling them it's ladies night. (laughs) So do you think that strategy would work better or worse today? driving around with a megaphone um i think if you put like hashtag blues brothers palace hotel ballroom <laughs> on the side of the thing and like told people to instagram it give it a chance to go viral yeah like then it pro- probably work like people could vine you or something <laughs> Do people still vine i don't know i never know yeah um 
Yeah, so they, they're late to the gig because they run out of gas, and then uh, briefly, Elwood tries to seduce Twiggy, and we find out later he could have fucked her. <laughs> um, he could have fucked Twiggy. Uh-huh. Um, that would have been a deleted scene. Yeah. Oh, oh, weird. I bet he doesn't take off his fedora and sunglasses for, for sex either. Um, be more like the drive angry scene. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't disrobe during gunplay. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, so they're late to the gig, which leads to probably my, I, I know I keep saying this, but this is probably my favorite musical number in the whole movie, when Cab Calloway transforms them into a classy-ass jazz band uh-huh. for Minnie the Moocher. Uh, it's, it's fucking amazing. Like, Cab Calloway is just magnetic. He's one of the best, like, band leader, like, front men that ever existed in the history of fucking mankind. Uh, he's electric. Is this the only spot in the movie with two songs, like at the same location? Uh, yeah, yeah, and they do three. They, oh, really? Uh, yeah, they do that, and then they go into um, uh, everybody needs somebody to love, um, and then they do uh, Sweet Home Chicago right out right after that. Ah. Um, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's really awesome. It feels. I mean, it's <laughs> quite a climax. Gig. Yeah. yeah. Also, the uh, when when the back when the curtain comes up and Cab has transformed the band into an amazing big band. All those neon signs for clubs are actual Harlem Renaissance clubs from like the twenties. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a cool touch. Yeah, it's. I mean, Cab Cab knew. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's good stuff. Um, so they finally get to the gig. Um, I love their intro. We'd especially like to welcome all the members of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen <laughs> to join us this evening. Um, it's kind of a fun oh brother feel of just getting on stage and then it'll be fine yeah sure <laughs> um, they get signed to a record deal as soon as they get off stage <laughs> um, with a cash payout yeah it's amazing just an envelope of money and a dude who doesn't give them a contract or anything <laughs> um, they could just no show that they have no legal obligation to go are you trying to tell me someone else could look like the blues brothers <laughs> <laughs> yes um yeah, they uh, then then they they make a daring escape through the sewers, where <laughs> Carrie Fisher is there to meet them. With at this point, I just want to point out Carrie Fisher's fucking crazy eyes. <laughs> Carrie Fisher has some fucking amazing crazy eyes. I mean, she and probably everybody else um, was doing a lot of cocaine. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's true. Yeah, and like everybody's pretty fucking cocaine crazy, <laughs> and she's just shooting and missing them from like 20 feet away with an M16. It's a little bit stormtroopery. It was a yeah. Oh man. Um, <laughs> I mean, you'd think she'd be better since she was a rebel. <laughs> That's uh, true. You know? But, uh, yeah, the... Uh, <laughs> they're... Oh, um, <laughs> from back, back in the show, I just had a quick note. Dan Aykroyd is not a good dancer, but he's a very <laughs> entertaining dancer. I don't know that I noticed him specifically. <laughs> was he offbeat or something? Oh, uh, just... he's just kind of goofy and weird. Sure. But he's that really like fucking entertaining. Huh. Like, with his weird shuffle he did while he was playing the harmonica, uh-huh. to, uh, everybody needs somebody to love. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this movie's so good. Did they play everything the characters played? Um, yeah, I'm pretty wow. sure he plays the harmonica. Uh, I mean, it's definitely them singing. Yeah. And I mean, they, they would have hired actors if they needed actors right. to be in the band. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that, that band's definitely the band. Um, yeah, and then uh, then they leave the gig. Thus begins the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest car chase in cinema history. <laughs> sorry, Bullet. Sorry, French Connection. Blues Brothers wins. <laughs> it's amazing. And it's like 15 minutes long. Yeah. Um, I like Death Proof, but this was pretty awesome. <laughs> Death Proof is good. 
I feel like Death Proof also took stuff from this. Oh, everything took stuff <laughs> yeah, from this. Exactly. Like, if you're because like there's the French Connection car chase, which is like this is super realistic and super tense, and like it's all character building, and it's all about how Popeye Doyle is obsessed with getting his man, and he's like putting people in danger and stuff. And then there's just the cinema of excess. Yeah. Well, I remember in French Connection, part of it, like I'd always heard about the car chase, yeah. and part of it, they're like on a train up, yeah, up no, on a bridge. It's, it's like, all how are you to ram the, them like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's mostly, if not all, a train. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, he's just chasing an L train. tracking. <laughs> yeah. Um, just trying to find this guy. Um, but this is, oh, God. <laughs> so many police cars. So many dead people. Um, <laughs> I think my favorite, my favorite part of the whole thing is when uh, John Candy's car ramps into that semi, and then he gets the radio. Which car is this? What car are we? Car 55? This is car 55. We're in a truck. <laughs> and he's like just kind of happy because he doesn't have anything else. He's like, right, this right. is fucking fucked up. I didn't want to be part of this chase anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great shot, though, of it landing in the truck. Oh, it's gorgeous. All the, like, all the, the, the chase sequences are shot just beautifully, like you were talking about, and cut beautifully. It just all fucking works so well. Yeah. Um, the hillside police crash is amazing. Um, also, I don't know if you noticed, but like, there's definitely one scene where they manage to ramp something that physics says they shouldn't have ramped, and like, <laughs> they look at each other surprised that it worked. <laughs> um, like, uh, it's great. It's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just the and the ballsiness of having something this big this late in the movie. Yeah, of like it's it's an exhausting movie with a big chase at the end. That's, yeah. It's ballsy. And like as once they get into Chicago, it's cut. I mean, through the whole thing, it's cut with such purpose. And it's like in these little modules. Like there's I I remember in particular, there's one little module where like our main shot is this two shot of uh of Jake and Elwood inside the car, and then we cut to stuff happening, and then this big something happens outside, and then we're in bumper cam mode. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and that's like the main motif for a little while. I think that was when GTA, like that really struck me <laughs> yeah it's gta as fuck yeah <laughs> um anyway they make it to the county assessor's office and then uh <laughs> bar the door <laughs> um, just the two of them just throwing shit in front of this door and this big wide shot because again landis like knows like i'm just gonna stay on this and like let this insanity speak for itself and i'm not like it's, it's just i'm just gonna juxtapose the silliness of this world with uh or the silliness of jake and elwood with like <laughs> the fucking nonchalance of this world i don't, I don't know but um, i mean most comedies aren't even shot that wide so it has sort of the grandiose feel yeah and it's mostly like a blank wall and these just two dudes just throwing shit at doors for a second <laughs> while a literal army gathers outside <laughs> Um, I think my favorite gag in the whole army thing is the hup, 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 hup thing the SWAT team guys are doing the whole time. Well, in the police chase preceding it, I, I didn't know that, I assume, the joke came from this movie of uh, the cop turning to the other one as they're plummeting to their death. And, I've always loved you. Yeah. That's one of the Nazis. But yeah. Oh, uh, uh, was it? Yeah. Um, oh, God. Yeah. The Nazis who, like, ramp off of something and then are suddenly thousands of feet in the air. <laughs> and, like, uh, we're not even fucking... Like acting like this is reality anymore. <laughs> like they definitely dropped that car from like a helicopter <laughs> at the top of the Sears Tower. <laughs> Did you read up about Spectre's cars? No, I haven't seen Spectre yet. Ah, uh, well, I was just wondering how uh, with inflation it would compare because I believe they said Spectre's car budget was thirty-eight million dollars. Jesus Christ! Including you know making ten Aston Martins to destroy and all yeah, that kind of I mean stuff. these are shitty cars, right? So. <laughs> 
but just the volume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the number that are in the same shot that you know are not, you know, alternating sides or something. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because you could, like, crash half a car and then reuse it. Right. Or just, like, make it the bottom bitch in a big wreck. <laughs> um, you know. My favorite factoid that there were eight alien suits for aliens. Really? Yeah. Might for have even aliens? been less. For aliens? Yeah. That's absurd. Like, it's all camera trickery and stuff of yeah. how many are swarming. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. God, yeah. what a good movie. <laughs> what an amazing movie. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. The, no, they had more than eight cars for this. Um, so, yeah. They, they, but, yeah, there's there's th- th- there's this great moment of the hup, hup, hups where <laughs> you see all the guys setting up. And then you get just, like, one guy going, hup. As he repels down one of the columns of the county assessors. And you just follow him for a good five seconds, just hop, hop, hop. And then it cuts to like three other guys and they're hop, hopping too. It's it's just like, it's barely a joke. I, I know I keep saying that, but like, I don't know. I don't know if the movie wants me to find. I think the movie wants me to find that funny. Well, they're funny touches. Like, yeah. they're not jokes exactly. Yeah. It's. Uh, it just uh, the more i think about it i think this movie found a new way to be funny <laughs> <laughs> well uh one thing i also noticed was um especially after talking about fury road and like yeah. the amount of craftsmanship of making chases flow like that and maintaining yeah. geography it's been a pretty car chasey four episodes hasn't that's it that's true yeah <laughs> um but just the fact that they shot all this on film yeah. is, you know, that's something I always try and remember when looking back at older movies yeah. of like, God, this must have been even way more complicated than I would imagine. There it was is no today. net. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're burning money. <laughs> yeah. And they, uh, they, they go up to the county assessor's office um, and find Steven Spielberg working there <laughs> in probably the most substantial role Steven Spielberg's ever had on camera. And he's pretty good. Yeah, maybe. Like, he's, he's real funny. He's just, like, eating a sandwich. Um, just like, what do you guys need? All right, um, I'll take this. Here's your receipt. And then uh, they turn around and just all the guns are there. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> It's just insanity. Oh, I love it so much. And then, it, then you cut to them in jail, doing Jailhouse Rock. And that's that's the only way this could have ever ended, was with them back in prison. Order is restored until <laughs> later when uh, when Aykroyd gets out of prison. And uh, and then we have to suffer through Blues Brothers 2000. <laughs> Some of us do. I didn't. Yeah, don't don't watch it, guys. <laughs> don't watch it. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's Blues Brothers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, closing thoughts for me, I guess the, the humor juxtaposition was the main thing that came out for me this time, like thinking about like why it works. Um, and it works because the camera never winks at anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so fucking key for these kinds of movies, especially like this wacky ass musical thing. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. a good way of putting it. I remember when we discussed 2001, there was a little bit of sort of the... As a grown-up looking at it, I understand a little better of, like, it's not quite trying to be a movie. It's yeah. more like a vaudevillian experience, like a media show kind of thing. Yeah. And this is, it seems more concerned with being a stage musical than it does with being a movie. Yeah. And not at all to its detriment. Yeah. But sort of, I feel like when I was younger, I would be... If you be... could put that car chase on the stage, they would. Right. <laughs> yeah. A lot of projectors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I do feel like, uh, as someone a little bit older, I can better understand sort of the context behind some of these odd choices. Yeah. And it's, it's a fun romp. Yeah. There's it's, just it's really no time. two ways so, about it. So, uh, yeah, what's what's your final verdict on it? Is it is it rewatchable? 
Uh, yeah, I'd probably watch it again. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to watch it again next week. No. I, I don't watch anything over two hours, you know, again. Yeah. Except maybe our next movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, so for me, yeah, it definitely is. I think it's an even more foundational comedy. Like, mm. it's one of the ones people don't really talk about it for some reason. It's true. Like, people talk about Caddyshack, and people talk about Airplane, and people talk about Animal House, mm-hmm. but no one talks about Blues Brothers unless, like... People are just like, oh, yeah, they crashed a bunch of cars. Um, (laughs) Well, it sounds like particularly if people are closer to your background and have the love for the blues music, there's tons of extra dimension to it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's if if you at all love blues or soul music like this, then you've probably seen this already. But go buy it because you (laughs) should just own it Um, because it's the musical performances alone would make this at at least a passable movie. Mm -hmm. But the fact that there's this amazing movie around that (laughs) and kind of like of a piece with it, too. Mm hmm just how did this happen (laughs) like this could have been so much worse than it was oh yeah and i i don't mean to make the the music sound niche like if people aren't into blues it's excellent music as well yeah yeah yeah, absolutely it is um goddamn right (laughs) Um, i'll fight you (laughs) i didn't want a twitter fight to erupt in a few months when someone hears that (laughs) yeah Uh, it'll be bad it would be bad um yeah it's 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 fucking great um rewatch blues brothers absolutely I, i i enjoyed the shit out of it um Again, and I'm probably going to enjoy the shit out of it in a year when I watch it again because I still haven't managed to get my girlfriend to sit through it. She fell asleep <laughs> like 30 minutes in. Uh-huh. I think this might be a little bit of a guy movie. It might be. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, all right. So uh, it's your turn. What are we watching next? So we've been trying to have a little bit, a little bit more of a thematic link between each episode, but a cultural phenomenon has sort of swept in, and I think we're going to have to take a little pause to check out Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Yeah, get our uh, two cents in before no one wants to hear about it ever again. Yeah, yeah, we gotta, we gotta fucking jump on this while the iron's hot. Um, <laughs> so we've both seen it once, so presumably it won't be hard to. Uh, yeah, I mean, get us I'm, caught up. I'm already going to see it again next Wednesday. Nice. So mm-hmm. I might, I might have seen it three times by the time we record again. Um, Excellent. Yeah. I'm I'm excited. Um, did you like it the first time you saw it? I did. Yeah. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was good, not great. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to keep it kind of spoiler free um, because uh, we're not really talking about it right now. Also, yeah. my girlfriend's in the next room and can probably hear me <laughs> and she will come in and murder me. Sure. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Uh, there were some things that could have done it a little bit better, but overall it's a pretty damn good movie. Crowd experience was great. Totally yeah. worth making the trip out of your house. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I wonder if it's going to play as well on home video. Yeah, that will um, be interesting. Because like, you know, when, when certain characters show up and like the crowd, like I've never heard a crowd in a theater erupt <laughs> like, like they did at certain points in this movie. Um, I was seeing it with someone with totally unfamiliar with Star Wars. Really? And it was kind of like, she was asking a lot of questions, and it was sort of like, well, the Millennium Falcon, like, when a ship shows up and everyone cheers, that'll be it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't need to go too far into this. <laughs> yeah. The context of, you know... <laughs> All the revelry will okay, tip so, you up. So 30 years ago, Han Solo had a bet with Lando Calrissian <laughs> um, in a card game. <laughs> Just start there. Oh, God. I was thinking about the math of like when these are going to wrap up and stuff. It's like and 2019, right? Epi- uh, yeah. So episode nine will be 42 years in. The ninth movie will wrap up, at least supposedly. I <laughs> Sort of the main arc. 150% do not believe that Disney's going to stop well, making these at that point. Yeah, I wonder if they'll try and develop sort of new arcs of 
kids don't even know who Luke Skywalker is. They yeah. love the Rogue uh, Rogue One series or whatever. Yeah, but, but I, I do wonder if they'll... I've heard they want to annualize it. I mean, Rogue One's coming out next year, and then and then the year after that is Episode Eight, and then and then Young Han Solo. I think I think it's a Young Han Solo movie. Yeah, um, they've auditioned like five hundred kids to be Young Han Solo. Oh, I heard about that. Um, yeah, they're they're gonna find their Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> 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 You're a smuggler, on. <laughs> Did you read its box office yet? Um, I heard it's uh, approaching 500 million internationally. Yeah, some early numbers, but 120 million the first night. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Or a Spider-Man one breaking 100 million the first weekend was like we don't know if we're ever going to touch that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the the biggest ever was because my 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 work has a betting pool going right now. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and it's uh, whoever gets closest it's winner take all uh, oh, nice. for the opening domestic box office. I guess 218, and I was on the I was one of the lowest. Um, the highest ever so far is jurassic world at 208 um i feel like i might have lowballed this movie i think it's being guesstimated right now at like 220 to 245 jesus christ <laughs> well, so I mean, much money what was it uh i think ultron was the previous record holder for advanced ticket spot or maybe Mocking no, it was, Jay, I it don't was know. actually dark knight rises with 25 million yeah i remembered it was yeah. 25 and that the quadrupled it <laughs> yeah yeah so we're gonna watch it again and see uh see i i, I kind of want to see if we can decontextualize ourselves from them from the phenomenon for a minute mm-hmm. and like just say like okay does this work as a movie yeah. um and then at some point we'll go back and watch empire and jedi um because i i want to i just want to watch the empire strikes back again because <laughs> the empire strikes back is awesome i will try to re-listen to our uh New Hope episode to see yeah, if there's anything yeah. we bring up. Yeah, in the meantime, guys, go back into the archives, listen to uh, the New Hope episode. Um, I uh, I personally felt like it was a much better movie when Harrison Ford was on the screen versus when he wasn't. <laughs> um, that's my main takeaway of uh, A New Hope, is it just <laughs> becomes electric, and then Han Solo leaves for a while, and you're kind of bummed. Um, yeah, the acting is... A little questionable throughout, but I think A New Hope takes the the worst of it. Yeah, absolutely it does. Um, luckily, Mark Hamill has learned to act. Right. He's <laughs> he's my favorite Joker. Um, yeah, so um, meantime, guys, uh, you, you can find us on Facebook, like I mentioned, facebook.com slash reviews. Um, if you are listening uh, to this and you just found us, welcome. Uh, we'd love it if you could subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, I know you've probably heard a lot of your podcasting buddies inside your head say this, but if you can review it, us uh throw rate and review us on itunes throw us a five-star review it like itunes has made it really easy it will literally take you 30 seconds and it helps us out a whole whole bunch in terms of bringing more people to this party so the more people who love movies can talk about uh movies together um and we can build ourselves a little community and yeah. be nerds and, and we, fun. Tr- we try and keep the facebook subscription like actually some interesting news and stuff as well so yeah. it's not just the episode blast yeah we try and keep it under control to Open up the conversation. Yeah, and if you guys want to tell us we're wrong and take a huge shit on us, like, we welcome it. That's fine. I'll get in a flame war with you. I don't give a fuck. I'd probably have more fun than if someone loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're itching for a fight, guys. Come at (laughs) us, bro. Um, All right. I probably need to be done now. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll, we'll see you on the next one when we we go from police cars to lightsabers. (laughs) Thanks.